You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I am thrilled to introduce to you this morning our speaker in this last Sunday that we are talking about living with our differences. It was about seven or eight years ago, he was working at the mills, and he saw the church at the mills going up and uh, building there in the space that we were in, and he decided to visit. And then he decided to come again and come again, and before long, his parents started coming with him, and his brother started coming with him, and, and he got more and more involved, and then he volunteered to serve in our student ministries and Nexus student ministries, and, and quickly as he began to serve there, Pastor Donnie saw this guy has some real giftings and talents, and he began to speak with our students, and he spoke several times up at the mills, and so this is the first time he is able to speak here. Douglas uh, works full-time at PA Leadership Charter School. He is also uh, working on his global university uh, ministerial studies and um, helping out, as I said, as a volunteer here. Along the way, uh, met and married Leah. He's uh, somewhat of a newlywed, less than a year, right? And uh, so would you please give a nice, warm welcome to Douglas Kirsten. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Good morning, everybody. How you doing today? Good. It's really nice outside. And not as many in this service, but still a good amount. Did you guys notice um, on the worship team that Joanna and Chris were wearing that same corally peach, the same color that you're wearing and, and you're wearing and you're wearing? There's a lot of people that got... Do you guys send out memos to wear like orangish, reddish, coralish in the same day? We don't match at the mills. It's, it's, I don't know why we just don't choose to match, but I like it. It's nice. It's like uh, I can almost draw like a connect the dots in the room and I think it's in the shape of a puppy if I were to go in the right order. So I'm really excited to be here and to, uh, to share some stuff that God put on my heart about this flex and living with our differences. And Pastor David has done a really great job throughout this series of having these different polling questions to start the services off with, um, asking, you know, who, who prefers savory foods, who prefers sweet foods, that kind of thing. So uh, we're going to do this. We'll just do it by show of hands. So uh, I'll get to see who in the crowd uh, are like-minded to me and who I probably wouldn't get along with. So politically speaking, now let's, let's make sure that we're very respectful to each other. Who would lean more towards the progressive liberal side of things? Show of hands. Okay. Who would be more conservative? All right. Well, hey, I, I reminded the nine o'clock service that a bird cannot fly unless they have both a right wing and a left wing, right? There's got to be harmony with that stuff. Um, what about sleeping positions? Who sleeps on their back? Back sleepers. I, I tend to sleep, and my wife has been uh, witness this, I tend to sleep like I'm in a coffin a lot of times. Like, picture my vertical position as a horizontal position. I, like, kind of cross my ankles, and I cross my hands across my chest, and sometimes my head is just slightly to the side. I'm basically preparing for, you know, my eternal resting position at some point. I'm going to be real comfy. That, when that day comes. Now, who's a stomach sleeper? Okay, now you guys be careful. Don't get too soft, fluffy of a pillow because there's breathing that needs to still happen. So when you get there, you know, make sure you have the, the right kind of pillow for that. Who is right-handed in the room? Right-handed. I saw some right-handed people just raise their left hand to say it. <laughs> We've got some confused right-handers in the room. What about left-handed people? 
this is, all right, this, there's a more even split in this service. Um, so I'm going to generalize that left-handers like to sleep in more. Um, who drinks their coffee black? Who likes it black? No cream, no sugar. You have something to prove. Okay, good. I'm just kidding. Who likes cream and sugar in their coffee? Ah, my people. Yeah, the more, like, the closer it looks like milk, the more I'm likely to drink it. Uh, What about your cars? Who drives American-made cars? You want it domestic, American, Chevy, GM? Yeah? I have a GM. It has had one recall every three and a half months. Uh, Who has a foreign car? Who drives foreign cars? Yeah, those have better gas mileage and I think better resale value. So keep keep buying those. I, I might be switching soon. Um, who prefers a paper Bible? You like the paper, you like to feel the pages and write on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more into this, but I'm not going to be against the digital Bible. Who likes the digital Bible? On your screens, on your iPads. Um, did anybody bring a laptop with a Bible on it? No? That's good. That'd be embarrassing for you. Okay, now this is a weird one. When you reload the toilet paper in the thing on the wall, is it... Is it so the toilet paper is hanging over the top or hanging from behind? So who's hanging over the top? Yeah, that seems to be the majority. Now, I want to give you guys a tip. Those that do the toilet paper hanging over the top, if you ever decide to get a, a pet or you have a very precarious child, flip it because if a cat or a dog goes up and goes like this, it will unravel if it's over. But if it's under, it will just go in a loop and it will never unravel. So if you want to be more efficient with your Charmin, under if you've got a dog or a child or a cat and over otherwise. Um, vacations, who prefers the beach? Warm, sunny, sandy? Yeah, I'm, 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 on, I'm in that camp for sure. What about mountain, like camping, more rustic? All right, that's good. You guys have fun with that. <laughs> who, now this is where we'll really feel the division. This is where I'll really see who my people are. Who is a dog person? Like dogs all the way, cats are smelly, I only wanted a pet with one life. Who, who are the cat people? There's my people. Yeah. I love cats. They're so selfish. And it's really interesting to watch. They just like, it's all about them all the time. It's good. It's good. Um, so now in getting more with the context of actually talking about our conflicts, we've spent several weeks in this series. We've seen aliens and we've talked about different conflicts within scripture. Um, today, I want to specifically look at our conflict within our church, within our church body. And in the epistle of James, um, you can turn there now in your Bible, either your paper Bible or your digital Bible. If you have the Riverside Community Church app on your smart device, you can pull that up and follow the live event. And speaking to the people who are listening by podcast, thank you for listening. And I hope you're somewhere enjoying this nice weather because we miss you today. And there's some seats that have your name on it. Come back to us. So before we dive into James, I want to do another small questionnaire, but we're going to all close our eyes. This is something that I just want us to deal with privately in our own hearts and our own minds. So let's all close our eyes. I'm going to close mine too. Who currently in this room, and you don't have to raise your hand, just, you know, in in your own mind, you'll you'll know who you are, that you're currently in conflict with another person. You're disagreeing with somebody. You've got a rift, some type of uh, a fight is going on. You're not seeing eye to eye. There's some misunderstanding. You're in conflict with somebody. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's uh, a good friend at school or a coworker. Uh, maybe it's one of your neighbors, but you're in conflict. Now, as you're thinking about that person you're in conflict with, 
Are they another believer? Is it someone else who shares the same faith that you do, that you've both agreed to the quote-unquote family rules, that you have both submitted your life to Christ and you desire and strive to be more like him, but you're in conflict. There's just, there's something going on that you're not agreeing upon. You're in conflict with another believer within the church body. You guys can open your eyes. Now, obviously, don't do a show of hands for this, but who is in conflict with another believer that is here in this room today? Maybe they're sitting right next to you, or you're standing at the back of their head right now, or you know they're on the, in a, you know, you know where they're sitting in the room, but you're in conflict with someone else here in this church. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, you know, work with your different arguments. So um, you guys can line up right here, and we'll just one at a time, systematically go through these conflicts. Don't all jump at once. No, I'm just kidding. I, I really don't. I don't, I don't want to hear about your fights right now. Wouldn't that be weird if that's how churches dealt with conflict, though, that they made you do it in front of everybody? They're like, all right, now. Uh, I, I used this example in the first service that my wife really wanted a new armoire to hide the TV in so it's not the focal point of the living room, but I really like my entertainment center that's already set up. That's kind of like my only spot of like true investment in our living space is like I have my Blu-ray player, my turntable, and my HD TV, and that's like, just let me have that. I just want that. But she wanted this armoire, and she fought for the armoire, and yesterday I went and picked up the armoire, and then I helped carry the armoire. She gets it. <laughs> but we don't have to have that fight in front of you guys because we already, you know, we, we, we dealt with it. We got the armoire. It's, it's all set up. We're good to go now. But James, in his letter, he is talking specifically to believers. He has given us some of the most practical application, scriptural knowledge that is available um, in the Bible. He just gives such great, very easily, or things that are very easy to apply. Now, keep in mind that James is the brother of Jesus. Uh, That's going to come up a little bit as as we talk through some things, because I think in any conflict situation, James was at a bit of a disadvantage, being that his brother was God in the form of man, that... You're never going to win a fight when you're fighting with Jesus. So he had to learn very early on some of the concepts that we'll talk about today. So in James chapter 4, he poses a very, very potent question, a very leading question to the church. And he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And when he says among you, he's specifically talking to the church. He's talking to believers. That among you is within the context of people having the same ideals, following the same Jesus, having lives that have similar moral code and belief system. And we have this scripture that we go to. Who among you are in conflict and what is causing these fights and quarrels? What's doing it? What's the source of all of this? And instead of even giving them an opportunity to answer, it wasn't the form of a letter, so I guess he could have ended the letter there if he really wanted a quick response. He kind of gave them the answer in the form of another question. He says, now, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Now, there's that very cliche saying that when you point the blame at someone else, that one finger might be pointing at them, but you've got three more that are pointing back at you. I really like cliche phrases. I'll be using several today. Um, But yeah, so really the source of the fights and the quarrels, what causes them? It's us. It's me. It's you. 
It's within our hearts, it's our brokenness, our sinful nature, our desire to serve me that is the source and root of almost all of our conflicts and quarrels. So the first step today for us is admittance. We need to begin to live with our differences by admitting that the problem is in us. I'm not going to beat you up all day verbally because I, 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 don't, I don't want us to walk out of here with our heads hanging low. There's definitely a, uh, you know, some, some things to be learned and taught um, today and hopefully some application in our lives. But let's start off by acknowledging I've got some issues because I always want to do what's best for me. I'm looking out for number one because th- that's all I know. It's easy. It's natural to just look out for what I want to do. So let's begin to live with our differences by admitting that the problem is in us. Now, slightly off context, and then I'll bring it back because I, you know, I like tangents. There are very cliche phrases, as I mentioned, that really annoy me. They really sog my cereal when people use them uh, in, in a certain moment. You know what I mean. Sogs my cereal. Nobody likes soggy cereal. Has anybody ever told you relax? They say, Relax. Anytime somebody tells you to relax, it's never in the context that you want somebody to tell you to relax. So, relax. Oh, that easier. Yeah. Maybe don't tell me that because now I'm feeling even less relaxed. I want to do the opposite of what you're telling me when you tell me to relax. I'm very not relaxed right now, and you're making me even less relaxed. Or what about when, when parents, you might be uh, spanking your children or revoking privileges or toys, and you say, now this hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> are, are you sure about that? Because it hurts down here. And I want my stuff, and I want to go do what I want to do, and you're telling me I can't. So I, I, I think you're kind of lying, mom and dad, about it hurting you more than it hurts me. Thanks for the sentiment, though. What about when somebody says, it is what it is? Yeah? You just said nothing. You've told me nothing. I don't feel better about whatever it is. It is what it is. <laughs> day is a day. Yep. Yeah, you just repeated yourself. I'm not feeling growth or, or encouragement from what you're saying to me. Um, or when somebody says, with all due respect, what they're really saying is, hey, get ready. I'm going to disrespect you right now. <laughs> get your dukes up. With all due respect, I'm going to cut you down. Well, my parents had this phrase that they would always go to as I was growing up, and it, I just got so sick of hearing it. They would tell me, they would quote Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones and say, now, Douglas, you, you can't always get what you want. You know, you know that, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I want it, though. But, but Douglas, but, but sometimes you get what you need. <laughs> well, mom, dad, what if what I want is what I need? Because that's what I believe, right? We believe that what we want is actually what we need. That's how we feel. We want what we want because we are convinced that it's what we need. And scripture would tell us in Proverbs that many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that always prevails, The Lord's purpose prevails. So we've got all of our desires, all of our needs and wants and the things that we want that serve us the best, that would make us the happiest and make us feel the coolest and make us look the best and have the best status and be the most successful and um, just be, you know, the, the person everybody else looks to as the example. We want all of that. But it just, it really, over time, it gets tiring because it's never enough. We're always going back wanting more. Kids, if, you're, uh, if there are any kids still left in here, maybe cover your ears. I'm about to crush some of your dreams. That next toy that you want, you're going to want another one after that. It's not going to be the end. You're, I always wanted, and I forgot the name in the first service, but somebody looked it up and reminded me. Do you guys remember the game? It was called Crossfire. 
It was like a little board game. The commercial was so cool. It had like fire everywhere. And these two kids are playing. It's like kind of like a two-player pinball. There's these silver balls that fly back and forth and tons of explosions in the commercial. My parents never got it for me. Last service, I had a healing moment. I was able to just talk. They were here and I said, why didn't you get me Crossfire? They didn't have an answer. But I wanted that. That was cool. Tommy, my friend down the street, had Crossfire. And he was cooler than me because he had Crossfire. Or what about whenever you're going to get your first car? You have like your ideal in mind. You're like, I want this car. That's going to be the car to end all cars. I'll never need another one, mom and dad. This is like the perfect car for me. Well, clearly that's very naive because your car is going to die. You're going to need a new car. And our smartphones become not so smart after like three months. There's already something new, something better. And I, I was really late to the game with a smartphone. I didn't get a, a, a touchscreen device like this until like three years ago. And then as soon as I got it, like my wife went and updated to the six and I'm behind already. I just got it. I thought I was cool, but her camera's better. And, you know, that's good for her. She gets to use it and have all the amenities and the bigger screen You know, I'm not bitter or anything about it. But we fall into this comparison trap. We fall into this moment where we look to others and we like we let others set the bar for what we want and what we need, and it's it's destructive. We end up getting bitter, we get angry, we get jealous, and we we just hold this anger and this darkness in our hearts towards these people. Like, oh man, they just I wanted to get the first Subaru on my block. Why'd they go get that Subaru? Or like, man, he I wish I could get as many tattoos as he has. I just don't have the money right now. I want to go get more. And, you know, what? maybe that's my own. You guys might not have that struggle. <laughs> I get tattoo envy real quick. But we do that. We compare ourselves. We look at what other people have, what other people are doing. They have more opportunities because they make this money or they have this connection with this person that owns this business. And we just compare. And it's destructive because then we, we just we get jealous and we lose focus We lose focus of what's really important. We start to fight for our desires and we start to get angry and we get that jealousy and then we, that turns into these conflicts where we're trying to fight that person to prove that maybe what they have is not as cool as we actually in our hearts believe that it is. And again, think about James. Whenever Jesus, he got jealous of Jesus, he's like, oh man, Jesus, like he's got all that stuff, man. He's God. I'll never be that. How could James compare with Jesus? So he continues then in chapter four and he says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. And I I don't believe that there was actually, maybe there were some isolated instances of murder based on jealousy in that time. But I think what he meant there, his harsh language was more that in your heart, when you begin to be so jealous that you hate somebody, you're basically killing them in your heart. They're dead to you relationally because you're so jealous, you're so angry, you're so envious because you desire what they have but you don't have it, so you kill in your heart, and you covet because you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask God, you don't receive. You don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you can spend what you get on your pleasures. We have this desire to win and have the last word. And side note, as Christians, sometimes when we get this jealous rage and this frustration, we start battling it out and we start hating each other and killing each other in our hearts. We start to, we have this way of just finding scripture that's supposed to be life-giving 
and giving us guidelines for how to live, and we use it as weaponry against each other. We sling proverbs and psalms at each other in hopes that it would make them, you know, yield to what we want in that moment. And this just causes more division amongst us. So can we just please take a step forward as a church and make sure we're looking at this to give life and to give love and not to, not to cut each other down? It's the sword of, sword of the spirit, but not to be used against each other. So the thought there is that we need to take a step so we're going to admit that the problem's in us, and then let's ask God how to live. Many are the plans and desires in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Ask God how to live with our differences and seek to know his purpose. David in the Old Testament could have benefited having, having this, this, uh, this thought here to seek God's purpose because he made quite a few mistakes. He has quite a path of destruction in his life with a lot of moments where he sought after his desires. So there was a night where David, maybe he was outside stargazing or just admiring the beautiful creation around him, and he saw a woman uh, named Bathsheba taking a Bathsheba right there outside and, you know, caught his eye. He couldn't control the first glance, but you can bet your bottom dollar he controlled his second and he kept staring and that then his desires started welling up in his heart and it doesn't she's married but that doesn't matter to him because he wants what he wants because he thinks it's what he needs so they commit adultery she gets pregnant he as the king moves her husband to the front lines in the army in hopes that there's a better chance of him dying then because that would remove more of the guilt for him so he's got all of this conflict he's stirring up and Nathan calls him out on it confronts him on it and says, David, like, what are you, what is happening? And there's this beautiful Psalm, Psalm 51, where David just repents. He cries out to God. He's just seeking forgiveness, seeking a a new start. And he's wanting to turn away like, oh man, I screwed so much up. I've hurt so many people. Can you make me new? And he specifically asks God, he says, create in me a pure heart, O God, a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So some of you today, maybe, maybe you've got on your mind, you might not be currently in conflict, but maybe you're today sitting in the aftermath of a conflict that just kind of fizzled in your life. You, you've got maybe a, a big disagreement that kind of came to a head, you battled it out, and now there's some division, there's some separation in your relationship, family, friends, coworkers, any of those situations, and you're sitting here thinking about that. And maybe your prayer today, at the end when we respond, maybe your thought, you just say, man, Holy Spirit, will you create in me a pure heart? Will you renew me? Because I've screwed some things up. I've hurt some people and I'm hurt now too. Can you, can you fix me? I can't fix myself. We can't fix ourselves. The problem is in us. The solution is outside of us. That's for sure. Maybe you're seeking forgiveness today for a mistake you made and a conflict you caused and you seek for God's forgiveness and you seek to forgive yourself and you also seek forgiveness from that other person. Maybe you're seeking reconciliation. You want to rebuild that relationship with them. And truly, in that relationship, you want to seek God's purpose. So the step here, we're going to admit the problems in us. We're going to ask God for how he wants us to live and seek his purpose. And then we need to stretch. We need to flex to live with our differences by inviting and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you enter our hearts today, this Sunday morning, this Memorial Day weekend, would you create in us pure hearts, renew a steadfast spirit within your church, When we do that, when we seek the Holy Spirit, when we seek God's purpose and we allow the Holy Spirit to work within us, there are fruits that are on display for the whole world to see. These fruits are mentioned throughout a lot of the Pauline epistles. There's the fruit of love 
and joy, forbearance and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and probably one of the most important of the fruits in dealing with our conflict is self-control. And that self-control, the wording of it's very misleading. It sounds like we're the ones that are in control, but that self-control is very much a submission to God's control. But those are all fruits of the Spirit. And when those fruits are on display, we love better, we live better. And the outside world can see that. Now, Paul had written some awesome letters to his various churches. Uh, we're going to look at two, two small things that he had said to two of his churches. In Ephesians chapter 5, he is telling his church in Ephesus what it means to live by the Spirit, what it means to invite and allow the Holy Spirit to work within you. And he's teaching them about conduct within the church, how we live in this world. And he tells them in verse 15, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Seek his purpose. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he ends it by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of your awe and your respect and your huge, countless appreciation for what Christ has done and the example that he has set. I love the way that sounds, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from, from the Spirit and our hearts making music in this world as we love each other and as we stretch to live with our differences. And then Paul wrote to his church in Philippi, the, the letter is called the, the letter to the Philippians, and he asks their support and their help with a very specific conflict. He calls out these two, these two women that were bickering, and isn't it just like two women just to bicker and fight? They just, they jib-jab, they, they hem-haw, I'm just kidding. Guys, we fight too. We're just as bad. We fight. We have our disagreements. But there's these women. Their name are Yudia and Syntyche. The names are weird. Don't focus on that. Uh, but he tells them specifically, he says, hey, Yudia, Syntyche, listen up. Settle your differences. Bury the hatchet. Like, get on with it. You've been fighting long enough. And then he asks the church. He says, church, will you give me a hand? I'm not there right now. I'm in prison. So will you give me a hand? Will you help them sort this out? Because they used to be my partner in spreading this gospel and building this kingdom, and their fight is hindering our progress. Their conflict is a disruption in us being a light to this world. So settle your differences, and he specifically tells them to be of the same mind of the Lord. Be of one mind. Be united in spirit. And earlier in the letter to the Philippians, he outlines what it means, what that means to be of one mind and one spirit. In Philippians 2, he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, what does that mean? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, and this is the hardest the hardest pill for us to swallow is to value others above ourselves. He says, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes into Christ, who being in the very nature of God, 
did, did, consider, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. So Christ modeled this for us. And Paul's telling the church in, in Philippi, he's saying, these two women, like, tell them to stop. Get over it. Get over yourselves and your desires. We've got a kingdom to build. We've got a world to share the gospel with. We've got good news to spread. And you guys are so focused on yourselves. So today, the thing that we should leave here taking steps and action towards achieving is to live to celebrate our differences out of reverence for Christ. Live to celebrate our differences. Now, as Pastor Bill mentioned, I am a a fairly newlywed. I'm coming up on the one-year anniversary, which is exciting. If anybody has a good idea for one-year anniversary celebration, we're looking for input. We don't really know what to do. Um... But we sought out after a lot of marriage advice throughout the time of our engagement, our very painful, long 13-month engagement. Uh, If you're getting engaged, don't wait that long. It's painful. But throughout that time, we were like, all right, let's uh, ask as many married couples about how to do this as possible. Let's be productive and proactive about our marriage. So we spent some time with Gary and Joyce Evans. Uh, They're the parents of Michael Evans, who is very active in, in his service and his commitment to this church. And they gave us some really good advice. They said, anytime you guys are fighting, hold hands and interlock your fingers. And in doing that, remind yourselves that it's the friction that holds you together. It's the differences that can be complementary. You can develop more understanding about each other, learn more about each other, be more appreciative of each other's differences because they're complementary. There's unity there. So for the church, what this means is when you're fighting with someone in the church, you don't have to always hold their hand. You know, maybe keep that within the marriage. If I ever saw two guys fighting and they're standing there with like hands locked, I'd be like, this is weird. Let's get, a, let's get a third party mediator in this situation. But that reminder that it's the friction that holds us together. Remember the right wing, left wing, the bird needs both to fly. Like the church grows, we become a better church, we become a better family whenever we acknowledge our differences and we celebrate them. And there's this process that happens in a marriage with the differences that at first there's fascination. Like, oh, he puts his toilet paper on the roll the other way. This is fascinating. And then it gets to a point where you're like kind of irritated. And to that, if it's the toilet paper thing, just flip it over. I got really irritated with the toothpaste tube. Man, she just squeezes it from the middle. I actually had somebody, I had it on my Christmas list, the little plastic things you put on to gently squeegee the toothpaste out. It's very even distribution. I'm a big fan of it. So we use those now. That was our compromise. So there was irritation. Then it gets to a process of toleration where you're like, all right, clearly we're different. We don't see eye to eye on this one thing. I'm just going to be okay with it. She's going to find peace about this difference. And slowly but surely, you grow to appreciate those differences. And eventually, you celebrate those differences. And that same thing can happen within the church. There are people that worship different than you. That's fine. Maybe at first, you're fascinated. Like, wow, that's some great dance moves. And eventually, you're like, all right, uh, he almost hit me in the face. So I'm kind of irritated now. And then you tolerate by just finding a new seat. But then you learn to appreciate and celebrate our differences here in the church. There is diversity in the body, and that's how God created it. We're not all supposed to be the same. Unity is not synonymous with uniform. It doesn't mean we need to all dress the same or act the same or do all the exact same things. We've got the same Jesus we're following. Is that not enough? Can't we, out of reverence for him, celebrate our differences? 
When Paul writes about the diversity in the body, he reminds them that it's one church made up of many parts, many different functions, many purposes. What would be the point of having 15 right ears? Over at Parkside, we'd have to turn the speakers down so low if everybody had 15 ears. The decibel levels would be out of control. And Jesus reminded his disciples, he said, hey, guys, listen, I have a new command to give to you. It's love one another. I know it sounds nice, sounds very fluffy, love one another, but he reminds them that as I have loved you, you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Udia, Syntic, Riverside Community Church, 11 a.m., 9 a.m. service, other churches in the area, this is a wake-up call. The world is not going to see our light if we're constantly battling each other. If we're always in conflict with each other, if we're not loving each other, if we're not celebrating our differences, we are stalling out in the progress of expanding this kingdom and building this kingdom here. Now, our conflicts can be good, and we've heard that over the last few weeks. Compromises are awesome. There's more understanding. You gain more insight. You see other sides of things. But when we let that hinder our ability to preach the good news to this world where there's so much darkness and so much bad news, that, that's where it becomes an issue. So the question today to think about, what conflicts in your life today are making it hard for those that are outside the church to see you as a disciple? What fights are you having that are making it difficult for non-believers to see your identity with Christ? They wouldn't consider you a disciple. And for anybody in here who is not a committed follower of Jesus, I don't want to say the word yet, I don't want to put pressure on you, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the non-believers for how we have screwed this up in the church that we fight and we battle each other and we get jealous and we get angry and we have these conflicts. We're not loving. Why would you want to join a church and be a part of following Jesus if all you see is conflict? We're missing something, guys. We're, the problem is in here. But today there are several steps we can take to begin to work towards that celebration. We can admit that we've got this issue, but beyond that, let's start asking for the Holy Spirit's help. Hey, Holy Spirit, will you create in me today? Will you start the process of making me more like Jesus? Will you create in me a clean heart, a pure heart? Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then we ask God, what's your purpose for my life? Because my desires are getting me into a lot of trouble. They're hurting a lot of people. So let's go with your desires. That sounds like a better plan for me. Let's be a church that has the fruits of the Spirit on display in our conduct with each other because then we can love this world so much better if we've got this figured out. This room, our church is so diverse. Next weekend at Serve the Berg, you're going to see all the different giftings of our church on display. You're going to see people that are better at painting and gardening and landscaping and some people that are just going to like paint ceramics with some elderly people nearby and that stuff's awesome. People that are cleaners and, and hard workers, heavy lifters. We've got so many different gifts and talents and such diversity. Next weekend, we're going to celebrate our differences in our communities. In Oakmont, Springdale, all the, I think... Dave, what's it called? 14 communities? 13? 13 different communities in Western Pennsylvania will see that we are celebrating our differences by joining together to serve those communities. So in closing, I wanted to share a quote from one of the people that has inspired me the most in my life, not personally, because I've never had the honor of meeting him, just his statue at the art museum. Fred Rogers, that's who I'm talking about. Mr. Rogers, to some. Um, 
If you know Daniel the Tiger, he was a creation of Fred Rogers. But he said, and I have this quote on my desk at work, because my workplace, basically 80% of our office goes to this church. So I work with a lot of believers. Carrie, one of them. I work with her. Um, but I have to remind myself, there's times where we have differences of opinion around the office. We've got to work through some stuff. We, we might have a different plan for a certain event, or we have a different way of addressing a certain um, situation with a student. But Fred Rogers always reminds me, and again, it's on my desk. It says, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in a person that we happen to be with at that moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. So by loving and appreciating and celebrating each other's differences, we're participating in what God does for us every day. God, he, he's all knowing. He knows what we're doing. He knows our thoughts. He knows those desires in our hearts, but he looks past that and he sees his creation. He sees his sons and his daughters and he appreciates the diversity in his creation. So when we choose to do that, when we look around us at our coworkers, family, friends, neighbors, other people in the church, and we say, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for what's best in them because that's, the, that's, that's what God does for me. That's the righteous, that's the holy thing to do. That's something sacred that we can do. When we love each other, when this church is a church that goes out into this world and we love each other the right way, we love each other, it points people to Jesus. People see the gospel at work in our lives when we love, when we celebrate our differences. So I'm going to pray and if I get done praying, we're going to worship together. And uh, I had no idea what song was going to be played after this in the first service. And the lyrics are so incredibly appropriate for this. So I really hope that we, whether you're singing loud, audibly with your voice or just in your heart, like really let those words connect because um, they call us to some really solid action in our lives. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the example that you set. You came to this earth not to be served, but to serve you humbled yourself, you lowered yourself, you lifted others above you. You submitted to that cross, you submitted to the punishment and the pain and the crucifixion that we deserve for our sinful nature, though you lived a perfect life. So out of reverence, out of respect, out of awe and thanks and appreciation and celebration for what you did on the cross, for your accomplished work, for the new life that you give us, God, we thank you and I pray that today each of us in our hearts would have a step of action that we're taking. Let us leave here as a church that hears your words, reads the words you spoke through Paul and through James and they spur us into action and we make changes and we seek the Holy Spirit's help in cleansing and renewing us and we seek God's purpose for rebuilding relationships and reconciling and forgiving. And then we truly as a church as the bride of Christ, as your most precious commodity, your people, this one body that's so diverse that we would celebrate our differences, that we would live and love in a way that shines so much light in this world that people see our love and they'll know we are Christians by our love. They'll identify us as disciples of Christ by how we love one another. Help us to resolve our conflicts. Help us to see your purposes above our own. Your will be done, not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.